Welcome to Lit Poetry, the podcast where we go on a journey of discovery, reading, analyzing, and discussing great poetry from around the world. Poetry is worth it because the reading and writing of poetry is a revolutionary act that has the potential to transform both the reader and our world. Tattoo art in our world today is flourishing. Just look around on a busy day in your typical city and you will spy inked images everywhere on the naked calves and thighs of people walking by, sneaking out to say hello from under the edges of a shirt sleeve and sometimes even creeping up from the base of a person's neck. One important thing to note about this ink that is injected into skin is that on many occasions the Images captured forever on people's bodies are often images taken from the natural world. Images such as flowers, rivers, birds, trees and plants. In this way, it could be argued that tattoo art itself is a form of poetry, written not on paper, but onto the canvas of a person's skin. In other words, as a poet draws a picture of nature in the mind's eye of the reader through the use of words on a page, so too does the tattoo artist create vivid images by shooting ink through a needle into skin. And why is this strange connection worth making on today's episode? Well, today on Lit Poetry, we are looking at a poem called The Question by the famous romantic poet Percy Bysshe Shelley whose subject for his poem are the objects of nature taken from a dream he had. And it just so happens that in the video I made for this poem that I've connected Shelley's words to the creation of tattoos, and hence this preamble. So may I present you with the poem, The Question, by Percy Bysshe Shelley. And may I remind you that the tattoo art version of this poem is now available on YouTube. The Question I dreamed that as I wandered by the way, bare winter suddenly was changed to spring, and gentle odours led my steps astray, mixed with the sound of waters murmuring along a shelving bank of turf, which lay under a copse and hardly dared to fling its green arms round the bosom of the stream, but kissed it and then fled, as thou mightest in dreams. There grew pied windflowers and violets, daisies, those pearled arcturia of the earth, the constellated flower that never sets, faint oxlips, tender bluebells at whose birth the sod scarce heaved, and that tall flower that wets like a child half in tenderness and mirth, its mother's face with heaven's collected tears, when the low wind its playmate's voice it hears. And in the warm hedge grew lush eglantine, green cowbind and the moonlight-coloured may, and cherry blossoms, and white cups whose wine was the bright dew, yet drained not by the day, and wild roses, and ivy serpentine with its dark buds and leaves wandering astray, and flowers azure, black, and streaked with gold, 
fairer than any wakened eyes behold. And nearer to the river's trembling edge there grew broad flag flowers, purple pranked with white, and starry river buds among the sedge, and floating water lilies broad and bright, which lit the oak that overhung the hedge with moonlight beams of their own watery light, and bulrushes, and reeds of such deep green as soothed the dazzled eye with sober sheen. Methought that of these visionary flowers I made a nosegay, bound in such a way that the same hues which in their natural bowers were mingled or opposed, the like array kept these imprisoned children of the hours within my hand. And then, elate and gay, I hastened to the spot whence I had come, that I might there present it. Oh, to whom? The question is a classic Percy Bysshe Shelley poem. In it, the poet uses nature-based imagery in order to depict a perfect dream of pristine wilderness. It is interesting to consider where Shelley was in his life when this piece was composed. His life, especially in the later years, having lived throughout the 17th and 18th centuries, is especially tragic. At the time Shelley wrote this poem, it must have actually seemed like the whole world had turned its back on him because all three of his children had died, and his wife Mary Shelley, the writer of the famous novel Frankenstein, had understandably retreated into mourning. He actually wrote in his notebook around the point of him writing this poem, My dearest Mary, wherefore hast thou gone, and left me in this dreary world alone? first sentence lets us know that the poem Shelley is writing is based on a dream, and dreams are often associated with the playing out of repressed desires. Indeed, Shelley crafts his dream world filled with innumerable flowers to feel like a kind of retreat from reality. That said, with the loss of children and a tortured wife, it would make complete sense for the desperate Shelley to retreat into a fantasy world about nature to deal with his own anguish. Which brings us to the title itself, The Question. It's interesting to note that the meaning of The Question is only revealed at the very end of the poem. There's a suspense here in the title and a ghostly sense of loss. We initially read the poem with a meaningless title, but when we reread the poem after getting to the end, we are reminded of the real-life trauma haunting the poem. The bouquet of flowers he gathers by the end of the poem, wondering who he can offer it to, is called a nosegay. Of course, the answer to this question is that no one can be given this bouquet of flowers, which the poem very accurately describes, and quite powerfully describes, I would say, as being or consisting of imprisoned children. 
The sad but clear interpretation here is that in his grief at the loss of his children, even his beautiful and imaginative frolic through a dream of the natural world brings no solace to Shelley. By the end of the poem, he stands there, holding out a fictitious bouquet of dead children in his hands, full of the petals of his children's wilted dreams. No lover, including his wife, is present to take the flowers from him. So that's it for a rather short episode of the Lit Poetry Podcast for this week. In this episode, I presented you with a rather crude personal interpretation of this poem, which you can accept or reject. Why is this week's episode so short? Well, I think this particular poem is better when it is unencumbered by layers and layers of analysis. Sometimes less, when it comes to poetry, can be more. Of course, I would encourage you to watch the video that I made for this poem. I completely loved making it. We'll finish by listening one more time to the poem. Until next week, I'll see you later. The Question I dreamed that as I wandered by the way, bare winter suddenly was changed to spring, and gentle odours led my steps astray, mixed with the sound of waters murmuring along a shelving bank of turf, which lay under a copse and hardly dared to fling its green arms round the bosom of the stream, but kissed it and then fled, as thou mightest in dream. There grew pied windflowers and violets, daisies, those pearled arcturia of the earth, the constellated flower that never sets, faint oxlips, tender bluebells at whose birth the sod scarce heaved, and that tall flower that wets like a child half in tenderness and mirth, its mother's face with heaven's collected tears, when the low wind its playmate's voice it hears. And in the warm hedge grew lush eglantine, green cowbind and the moonlight-coloured may, and cherry blossoms, and white cups whose wine was the bright dew, yet drained not by the day, and wild roses, and ivy serpentine with its dark buds and leaves wandering astray, and flowers azure, black, and streaked with gold, fairer than any wakened eyes behold. And nearer to the river's trembling edge there grew broad flag flowers, purple pranked with white, and starry river buds among the sedge, and floating water lilies broad and bright, which lit the oak that overhung the hedge with moonlight beams of their own watery light, and bulrushes, and reeds of such deep green as soothed the dazzled eye with sober sheen. Methought that of these visionary flowers, 
I made a nosegay, bound in such a way that the same hues which in their natural bowers were mingled or opposed, the like array kept these imprisoned children of the hours within my hand. And then, elate and gay, I hastened to the spot whence I had come, that I might there present it. To whom? You've been listening to the Lit Poetry Podcast, presented by James Laidler. For more podcasts, poetry videos, and other useful resources, visit our website at www.litpoetry.com. Thanks for listening.